Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, May 15th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Y'all smell that? It's fear. Yep, there's a lot of fear and anxiety out there this week, and that's been good for gold. There is fear that the economy is not going to recover quickly. There's fear that there will be another wave of coronavirus. There's fear about the increasing bickering between the U.S. and China. And when there's fear, investors tend to run towards safe havens like gold. And, of course, gold is the king of safe havens. The yellow metal appears to be heading toward its second straight weekly gain. As I record the podcast, gold is trading at 17.52 an ounce, so above that key 17.50 level. It's up about 2% on the week. Silver's had an even better week. It's up to 16.56 per ounce as I record, and the silver gold ratio has dropped below 107 to 1. It was up around 113 to 1 last week, so it's still a huge spread, but it does appear that silver is outperforming gold in this little bull run we've got going, which, of course, is typical. Now, it's not just safe haven buying that's pushing gold. It's all of this stimulus. Did you know that the Fed started buying ETFs holding stocks this week? So it's not exactly buying stocks, but it's indirectly buying stocks. The Fed's balance sheet swelled another $212.8 billion to $6.934 trillion last week as the money supply surged another $198.6 billion. But no, there's not going to be any inflation. It boggles my mind when people say this. This is inflation. Peter Schiff talked about this uh, in one of his recent podcasts. I'll link to that on the show notes page. I'll also link to an article on negative interest rates because a lot of people think that's coming down the pike as well. Although the people over at the Fed swear it's not, which means it probably is. Anyway, the weekly unemployment claims report came out yesterday, and it was bad again. Another 3 million people filed for unemployment. That brings the eight-week total to 36.5 million, and that amounts to 22.39% of the March civilian labor force. And don't forget, the labor force is shrinking because a lot of people are just dropping out. Now, it seems like the mainstream is starting to wake up and realize the economic situation is dire. It's hard to believe that people didn't see it before. But as I've talked about several times over the last few weeks, there's this bizarre notion that since we turned the economy off, we can flip a switch and turn it back on. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell dumped cold water on that this week, and now we're starting to hear the mainstream pick up on the theme. I'm going to get to Powell here in just a minute, but first let me give you a few quotes that I pulled from some mainstream financial news articles. Okay, let's see. Okay, Michael McCarthy, he's the chief strategist at CMC Markets. He told CNBC, quote, It's been clear as more economic data is released that some of the damage that has been done to the global economy will take much longer to repair than expected. It is becoming increasingly apparent that a snapback or a V-shaped economic recovery is very unlikely. End quote. Then we have Ole Hansen, who's the head of commodity strategy at Saxo Bank AS. He told Bloomberg, quote, the market seems to be bracing itself for disastrous hard data for April and May and a wave of bankruptcies. So, yeah, apparently you can't just shut down the economy for a couple of months, throw nearly a quarter of the workforce into unemployment and expect things to just snap back when the politicians say go. Welcome to reality, right? 
We'll get some more economic data today. I think the April retail sales numbers are due out. I'm going to go out on a limb and say they'll probably be bad. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Jay Powell. The Fed chair got real with America for a few minutes during a webcast speech this week. Like I said, he threw a bucket of cold water on the notion that we're in for a quick recovery. Now, if Powell is sounding negative publicly, what is he really thinking? I mean, the chairman of the Federal Reserve can't really be this clueless, can he? Because I'm not going to lie, he sounds clueless. I mean, I don't mean that in saying that the recovery may not be quick. My kids get that, and they don't really have any economic background at all. But I mean, the stuff that Powell says about the economy before the pandemic is completely clueless. I mean, it was obvious the U.S. economy was having problems before coronavirus. But Powell kept talking about how great everything was, and he kept saying he was confident there wasn't going to be a recession. Remember, he was saying this while initiating extraordinary monetary policy that looked an awful lot like what a central bank would do in the early stages of a recession. So if he's this concerned now, imagine how bad it really must be. Anyway, Powell said that the U.S. could face a, quote, deep, prolonged recession. He said, quote, the scope and speed of this downturn are without modern precedent, significantly worse than any recession since World War II. He also warned that, quote, the path ahead is both highly uncertain and subject to significant downside risks. He added that a prolonged recession and weak recovery could also discourage business investment and expansion, further limiting the resurgence of jobs as well as the growth of capital stock and the pace of technological advancement. The result could be an extended period of low productivity growth and stagnant incomes. So yeah, bad news. He's right about all of that, of course, but he got just about everything else he said in this speech wrong. Here's the part that completely blew my mind, and I haven't seen anybody call him on this. As he was talking about the current meltdown, he noted that past crashes happened after asset prices reached unsupportable levels or after important sectors of the economy, such as housing, that boomed unsustainably. Not this time, though. He said, quote, There was no economy-threatening bubble to pop and no unsustainable boom to bust. The virus is the cause, not the usual suspects. Something worth keeping in mind as we respond. Did you hear what he just said? There was no threatening bubble to pop and no unsustainable boom to bust. This is why I'm saying that Jerome Powell is clueless. I mean, come on, man. The air was coming out of your unsustainable stock market bubble before coronavirus. You knew this. You were doing everything in your power to stop it. I mean, I can't imagine how he actually kept a straight face as those words tumbled out of his mouth. This crisis is built on the same cracked economic foundation that 2008 was based on. And Powell's solution is to do the exact same things that got us here in the first place. Powell is the arsonist throwing gasoline on the fire he set, along with Congress and and all of the usual suspects in Washington, D.C. We have a bunch of arsonists promising to put out the fire. Of course, it's not just Powell. It was Yellen and Bernanke and Greenspan before him. But the mess was caused by the Fed and the U.S. government. And the whole point of this speech was to beg for more stimulus, more drug for the drug addict, more gasoline on the fire that these people set. So after painting a gloomy picture, Powell called for more government spending and more extreme monetary policy because basically that's all the Fed knows to do.
He said, we ought to do what we can to avoid these outcomes, and that may require additional policy measures, he said. Paul promised that the Fed will continue to use our tools to their fullest until the crisis has passed and the economic recovery is well underway. So basically, 0% interest rates, maybe negative interest rates, although he won't say that, and quantitative easing into the foreseeable future. But he emphasized that there's only so much the central bank can do, and he practically begged Congress on his knees to borrow and spend more money. He said additional fiscal support could be costly, but worth it if it helps avoid long-term economic damage and leaves us with a power, with a stronger recovery. This trade-off is one for our elected representatives who wield powers of taxation and spending, he said. Um, costly seems like a little bit of an understatement. You know, the U.S. government was already committed to spending trillions of dollars, and Democrats in the House just proposed a spending bill worth $3 trillion more. The budget deficit in April was a staggering $738 billion, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. The Treasury Department already announced plans to borrow $2.99 trillion just in the second quarter. So yeah, it's a little costly, Jerome. But Powell said we can worry about the debt in the good times. Now, where was he when Trump, the Trump administration was running a trillion-dollar deficit before the pandemic? You know, Powell was telling us the economy was great then, even as he cut interest rates and launched QE. So all of this was going on before the pandemic. I can't say that enough. You know, herein lies the ugly truth. Powell's prescription for low interest rates into perpetuity, quantitative easing, money printing, and government borrowing and spending are the very same medicines that already had the economy teetering on the brink of meltdown before the coronavirus pandemic. I can't emphasize this fact enough. So I'm going to emphasize it again. Keep in mind, everything Powell talked about was already happening before COVID-19. I say this every time I do this podcast, and I'm going to keep saying it because it's the key to understanding what's really going on. The economy was riddled with debt, was already being propped up by extraordinary Federal Reserve monetary policy before the pandemic. We had three rate cuts in 2019. The Fed was running repo operations to stabilize the financial markets, and the central bank had already launched quantitative easing even though Jerome Powell and company refused to call it that. The U.S. government was on track for a $1 trillion deficit in fiscal year 2020, again, even before the government passed trillions in stimulus spending. The coronavirus just put everything into hyperdrive. We were already doing this extraordinary policy. We were already acting like there was an economic crisis before the economic crisis. And now Powell wants to triple down. He wants to go at triple warp speed. Let me make this as clear as I can. It was Powell's policies, the one he wants to triple on down today, that wounded the economy to begin with. Yes, make no mistake, the coronavirus government shutdowns have created unprecedented disruptions in the economy. That's not debatable, and I'm not arguing that that's not true. We'd have significant economic problems even if the economy was strong before the pandemic. The thing is... The economy wasn't strong before the pandemic. The coronavirus was also the pin that pricked the bubble that Powell claims didn't exist. The economy was rotten to the core before the pandemic due to the very policies Powell and pretty much everybody out there now want to ramp up in order to save the economy. Powell's prescription is not going to save the economy. At best, it will save the bubble for a little while longer, maybe. So what should the government do? 
honestly, nothing. It's intervention that has caused the mess. If intervening caused the problem, then hello, stop intervening. The Fed needs to butt out and let the financial markets normalize. The bubbles need to deflate. The distortions and the misallocations in the economy need to reset. The government needs to get its spending under control. Government needs to shrink and quit interfering in the economy. But of course, that would create a great deal of pain. And the political class isn't willing to face pain. I mean, stepping back and letting things sort out would be awful for a while. There's no doubt about it. There would be a lot of economic pain. But you have to fix the foundation before you can rebuild the house. It's not going to happen. Instead, they're going to kick the can down the road by repeating the same mistakes of the past on a larger scale. They're going to dump more gasoline on the fire. Eventually, they're going to run out of road to kick the can down, and the consequences are going to be even worse than if we just let things reset. But the bottom line is there's no easy way out. So the best advice that I can give is prepare. And a shift gold precious metal specialist can help you do that. I highly recommend you talk to those folks. If you're concerned about preserving your wealth, maintaining your wealth through this time, talk to those guys. They can definitely give you some advice. They can look at your individual situation and see what's going to work best for you. They want to work with you. So give them a call, 1-888-GOLD-160, or shoot them an email at info at shiftgold.com. So that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com slash news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to this podcast over on iTunes, on Google Play, or on Stitcher. You can also just subscribe to the uh, Shift Gold YouTube channel. It's up there every single week. You'll find links to all this stuff on the show notes page, as well as links to our social media platforms, which include Facebook, Twitter, uh, and Instagram. Uh, I appreciate you listening to the show. I hope you have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you again next week.